coaching humans on how to get clear about the work they're doing. By listening to others spill their guts, I know you'll relate, relieve some stress, and find the tools to freaking do what you feel called to do. Hello, boss babes. Welcome to Business Therapy Episode 23. Building what you want while giving the people what they need with my good friend, Miss Morgan. This is a really fun episode and I am so excited for you guys to hear it. And I actually want to share with you the text message that Morgan sent me after we did this episode. So Morgan, as I'm going to tell you, is my kid's preschool teacher and I've just known her for years and I absolutely love Love her. So it was really cool getting to do this episode with her. She said, I went to bed less racy in my head than I have been for a while and woke up feeling more grounded in what I wanted to do. You really helped me. And that was just such an amazing text message to get that she went to bed with her head feeling less racy, less jumbled than it has in a long time. And that is my goal for you with this episode. That is my goal for you with business therapy that you can get excited about the work you're doing, but most importantly, place appropriate boundaries around it so that it doesn't define you, so that it doesn't become all of you, so that it doesn't consume your sense of self-worth. And if you have that tendency, you're really going to appreciate this episode with Miss Morgan. You can find her on Instagram at M-I-S-S underscore M-O-R-G-A-N. Let's get into it because like I said, this is such an amazing episode and I'm so grateful to Morgan for sharing such a vulnerable and open episode with us. I'm with the one, the only, the beautiful, the talented, Miss Morgan Thomas, known to most as Miss Morgan. Miss Morgan. Yeah. Miss Morgan. And Morgan has been the preschool teacher of all three of my children. Yeah. How lucky are you? I'm so lucky. <laughs> are you kidding? I've been doing I've been doing the preschool for several years now. Mm-hmm. And I just, like this last couple of years, I've just had this itch. Well, I think at your core, because I see so many similarities between us, we're at your core, like the creative endeavor, the creating is so much of what you care about because you are never okay. Like I didn't throw a dance party and then just keep throwing the same dance party. I wanted to reinvent a a new theme, a new system every single time I did the dance parties because that was fun and exciting to me. And when I have to do the same thing over and over again, it's hard. But I think you're like me in You value the creativity so much, but in order to be a professional, you have to show up and do the same thing over and over again. And so I think that really is part of kind of growing up as a creative entrepreneur and a creative professional is at first you're like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then you realize you can't really build a business and you can't employ people just doing whatever you want. And if you want to do that, which is what you've decided to do, because think about when you started feeling this itch, it's 
So you're doing, how long have you been doing the preschool? I am on my 12th year. Your 12th year. Okay. Yeah. How many years did you do it without having other people involved? Like another teacher? Probably four. Okay. And yeah. then, but like, I feel like Miss Emily and kind of more full-time people is newer in the last four, three, four years. Yeah, probably three or four years. So yeah. there's the thrill of getting it started and creating it. Yeah. And then there's the thrill of bringing some people in kind of part-time-ish. And then there's the thrill of bringing people in. And by thrill, I mean also emotional draining, creative energy into training these people, creating a team. And then you moved houses. And now you're in a place where you trained the people, you moved the houses, you got the building you always thought you wanted, and now you're bored. Oh, totally. And that's so when you're... So <laughs> Right. So when, yeah. you, when you're like, I'm feeling called to do 18 different things. I'm like, well, let's define what actually feeling called, like how, are, yeah. what are you actually using that to say? Yeah, totally. What you're using it to say is I feel a little restless and I can think of 18 different things I want to do to help me with this restlessness. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay. In fact, one of my biggest struggles was learning how to utilize the help I had. Yes, absolutely. That was a huge learning curve. When I, I'm only yeah. saying absolutely because you're a perfectionist <laughs> and, and because I know you and because like me, we value the creative process so much. And when we value the creative process so much, our ego gets involved. And when our yeah. ego gets involved, nobody else can do what we're doing. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. And which is so true. true in some accounts, they can't do it the way we're going to do it, but they still do it in a really wonderful way. Like Miss Emily is amazing you know and she brings her own special way that she does it to the table but it is literally I almost feel like it had to be beat out of me oh like I had whether like it was beat out of me or I had to beat it out of myself to like let go and let other people do it oh for me it was like I had to just I had to get to a point where I had no choice yeah life was hard my kids were getting older yeah it got to a point where I literally couldn't do everything yeah and that was a real growth process for me. And so there's been so much growth and so much adjustment. And now you've got the well-oiled machine. Yeah, It's not hard for you to get students. Yeah, So you're not stressed about that. The problem is there is no problem. (laughs) And that's me and Eric, our favorite thing to say is like, (laughs) the problem is there is no problem. (laughs) I'm definitely a problem solver. Yeah. Yeah. There's no problem to solve. Right. And so, so I, so I just, I think all of that is an interesting conversation to have where like, look at the journey, look at what you've done. And this is just kind of a new position to be in because you've been problem solving for so long. And so I think when you problem solve and problem solve and problem solve, it's easy to start seeing what you have to do next as a problem. Oh, totally. Right. And like, it's not really a problem. It's an opportunity, which is funny because you were asking me earlier if I get stressed about like missing an opportunity and I was like I don't think of missing opportunities really I think of like I don't know it's almost like you create opportunities that's just been like my experience with opportunity yeah well as you're talking like I'm realizing how I frame it there's a there is a lot of pressure in seeing things as opportunities yeah and then I feel like I'm constantly missing out and then that would be back to your I feel like I'm being called to do 18 different things what you're saying essentially is I see 18 different opportunities yeah but by the way that you frame and structure and see opportunity you feel like I'm missing out I'm missing the boat 
And then that just like sends me into an overwhelm spiral, like just a tornado. Yes. And then I can't see. And so then the question then becomes, what do you want your life to look like? What are your ultimate goals? If you die in a year, what are you going to be like? I wish I had done that or I'm so glad I did that. And this is just like, this is literally the exercise I keep giving myself right now is because I have, I I came in to Nichelle today and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't, I I literally have like four conference and event ideas that we're like working on or not working on where I'm like, oh, like we need one more conference idea, but this one's really good. Yeah. And it would be so easy. We could just do it really fast, you know? (laughs) But the thing is, is if I start, going down that road, I then have to ask myself like, okay, but if I just jump into doing this and I don't finish writing my book first a year from now, if I die, I'm going to be mad. I didn't write the book. And I don't know why that this is like the only perspective I can seem to give myself to help me like focus on what I actually want to do. I think it makes it real. Like, it's, it's just really real. Really real. It's like, I really, and like not in this morbid sense where I'm really like, cool. Like one year from now you're dead. Yeah. Like one year from now, you're completely unable to do anything. What is it that you're going to wish it was that you did? And I don't think the answer has to be something business related. The answer might be, I'm going to wish I didn't start that project and I spent more time with my family for some people. Now, I only think that's the answer if that's the real answer, not if that's the answer you think you're supposed to have, because I'm going to be real honest with you. That's not my real answer. I feel good about the time I'm spending with my family. I feel good about the time I'm spending with relationships. So my answer right now isn't one of like regret. So anyway, what is the thing that you die and you didn't do and you're like, oh, dang, that's too bad. It's almost like think of it this way you're getting married and it's your bachelorette party (laughs) right like what's that that last Uh, hurrah that you're like I'm sure glad I got that in before I tied the knot (laughs) right because even even thinking of it that way is like there's still gonna be it's not like when you get married you die yeah there's just different opportunity different different things happen so like because because like you said you've got so many ideas curriculum and so again it could be like life it could be like I want a second home if you want a second home then what we would do is the next opportunity that we have you start taking steps towards would be one that is going to make you the most money with minimal effort right Right. if what you want is to be speaking on stages to 5,000 people that's a different move if what you want is do you see what I'm saying yeah so the First question is, what is it that you want for your life? And you're like, I feel good about everything in my life. Okay, that's a, do you see what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. of all these things, what is it that you want in your life? Or what is the thing that like in a year from now, you're just going to be bummed if another year passed and you didn't get it done, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I, I'm someone who thrives on my connection with other people and I have this need to share yeah, we love sharing. I love sharing. Yeah, like I'm a sharer. But here's the question. How do you like to share? Because there's ways that we share that drain us. And there's ways that we share that fill us back up. And I love to share. But do you like sharing? You are sharing. Yeah. So you're sharing so in like a preschool setting every day. You're like an example of sharing that overwhelms you. No. Is that what you just said? No, 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 no. Sharing that drains you. No, like, no. Like, no. What, I'm saying, no. Okay. So 
Me talking to you right now in a one-on-one setting, I am sharing my time, I'm sharing connection, I'm sharing my experience, I'm sharing my information. And in this one-on-one setting of sharing, this does not drain me. Now, put you in a room with 10 other people, which I've done this year, and do this exact same thing. I'm sharing my time, I'm sharing my experience, I'm sharing connection. It is much more draining for me. But put me on a stage in front of a thousand people and it's back to feeling like one-on-one for me because it's a, I've been thinking about this a lot. It's a collective energy. And so it feels like when there's a thousand people or even when there's like 300, two to 300 people, I can't manage the feelings and emotionally hold space for 300 people. But when there's 10 people in a room or I go to a dinner with 10 girlfriends, I did this a couple weeks ago. I went to a dinner with 10 friends. I had to coach myself through the whole dinner to not be really stressed. Whereas if I had been at dinner with two friends, it would have, I would have left and come home to Eric and been like, I had a great time. And I left the dinner with 10 to 12 friends and I needed to like watch TV and numb and like recharge and be alone. It drained me. So what I'm asking you, you said, I love connection and I love sharing. Yeah. So you could start down a path of sharing in a way that really drains you and really takes it out of you. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to figure out is great. You like sharing. There's 700 ways to share. Yeah. <laughs> What's the way you like to share? You like teaching. We know that. I would say in a more intimate setting. That's why I think for preschool sure. works for you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I had an opportunity presented to me last year with expanding. Mm-hmm. the preschool but into not just a, a bigger preschool but with the idea of opening like a full elementary school charter school wow yeah and I really for several months considered that and went through the steps of what that would be and I felt like at, at a certain point I realized the only reason I'm continuing to entertain this idea is because I know it's something I could do it's an opportunity I you don't want to miss I could take it and I could yeah. tackle it and kill it and that I could do it yeah but it just, the, the, what kept coming back to me was this, I'm just not ready to be full administration. I'm not ready to be outside of my classroom. Well, and I think replace not ready with, I don't want to. I don't want to, yeah. Because I don't think you ever want to do that. That doesn't yeah. seem like your personality, right? Like, yeah, it's true. Right, like replace not ready, because again, not ready puts you back into that mindset of there's opportunities and a timeline, totally. and I better get, all of the opportunities on the right timeline. And what that does is it makes you this passenger of your life rather than the driver. And no, I mean, timelines stress me out. Yeah. I'm not a timeline. I hate, I mean, I have to have timelines, obviously, to stay organized and run a successful business. But time can be pressuring for me. Oh, yeah, Yeah. for for everybody. everybody. And so I think what all it comes down to, all it comes down to is... Okay, you know you like to share. You know you love helping preschool age children. You know, what else do you know? Like, what do you know? What do you, you're like, I know nothing. You no, know I was like, lot. I just 
covered it. Like those are the yeah. things that I've been. Okay. So that's what we know. I know what kind of environment, what kind of relationship. I yeah. In. You know, yeah. the type of people you like to work with, mm-hmm. you know, your skill set, you know, your value, you know, your worth, you have a very marketable set of skills. You have a lot of things that, you know, right. You yeah. know, like you're really good at curriculum. You know, you're really creative. You know that a lot of preschool teachers maybe crush it at like working with the children, but they don't, they can't also come up with all the curriculum for the children. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, these things about yourself. What is the thing you want to do? Going back to you saying that I, like I'm used, I, I am definitely a problem solver. Mm-hmm. I think there's a key of challenge in there. Yeah. Like I thrive on being challenged and I can see it actually reflected in my teaching. Yeah. I create that kind of environment for my kids in yeah. the classroom to be yeah. challenged and grow. I guess it's just that step of knowing what amount of challenge is healthy. Well, for me, and what an interesting question. I can still grow and I can still have some sort of, you know, because I know, like, you know, we grow out of tension. Yes. Challenge. But why? Okay. Why is your first question, what amount of challenge is healthy for me? (laughs) Because I take on too much. Okay. I take on too much. So do you think that you're bored because you're not being challenged, but you're not moving forward because you're in a healthier place in your life right now. And you're like, Mm. I've been very overwhelmed and stressed in the past. And I don't want to risk going back into that place of challenging myself too much, a.k.a. being so overwhelmed and stressed. I'm not the version of myself that I am right now. 100%. Because I can tell your your energy is in a very different place than it was a couple years ago. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. So... I get that too, where you're like, this is new Morgan. Yeah. And new Morgan does what is right for her. And new Morgan prioritizes herself. And new Morgan doesn't not have safe boundaries. And how does new Morgan take on a big challenge? I'm not sure because old Morgan is the one who did that before. Absolutely. But then you're bored. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so this is something that I do a lot that Julie, who works with me, called me out on the other day. She's like, (laughs) and Eric calls me out on it all the time. She's like, they love you. you Yes. And I love it. And it's helpful. They're like, you learn something. And then you think you have to be perfect at it. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I don't freak out anymore. And then I like was overworked and overtired and had a complete breakdown and started hysterically crying. And then I felt so stupid that I had had a breakdown. And she was like, you've been working for weeks straight. You didn't get any sleep. You did a keynote for 5,000 people. And then you came home and recorded audio for 10 hours. That's why you had a breakdown and started crying. Not because you're some failure. And I was like... Oh yeah. yeah. Right. Where the story we can start to tell ourselves is, Oh, that's old Allison. And so like, that's the thing is like new Morgan doesn't go away. New Morgan is old Morgan, by the way, you're just Morgan. <laughs> okay. So there's that. Let's like, yeah, let's no, say that. You. Right. Yeah. All of these healthy habits don't just magically go away because you take on a challenge. Yeah. Right. So maybe, I mean, I've, I've given this a lot of thought the last little bit, especially in preparing to talk to you about it. <laughs> Not that I came super prepared, but I was thinking, so what are the things that I'm already doing mm-hmm. 
that I could grow in a way that still serves me? Such a good question. That is seriously like a genius question. What are the things you're already doing that you could grow in a way that serves you? And I think the reason why that's a revolutionary question to you and me is because we always think we need to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So like, I'm like, that is a revolutionary question. And other people are like, is it? And I'm like, no, for us, that's a revolutionary (laughs) question. Yeah. Sure. So what did you come up with? Well, I'm thinking in terms of curriculum. Does that sound fun and or exciting? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Now we can continue the conversation. Do I seem like you? It felt like, yeah, it's curriculum. (laughs) Like, no, I was looking at your calendar. Okay. Okay. Good. You I was like, how do I, no, but I was thinking like, how can I use a format like that? So yeah. I was like, how do I say that without saying like, I think I should do yeah, what do that. you're doing. Yeah, you do, it. yeah. do it. Just do it. It's a really good format. Yeah. The format is a monthly theme with a weekly challenge. Yeah, I've benefited That's greatly from your calendar. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad, glad you liked it. <laughs> but seriously, like a curriculum system for preschool with a monthly theme and a weekly focus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why your brain went there. That's a very good idea. Which I'm doing already. Yeah, you are. I, yeah. Was, I was like, I feel like I already get the newsletters that tell me that that's happening. But every time, I mean, every time online on Instagram, when I connect with another teacher who's also an early childhood educator. Yeah. I really like, there's something there for me. There's joy in what? that and sharing what I do in my classroom. What I think you're not going to like, and I could be very, very wrong, but what I think you're not going to love is selling your curriculum, but not having any personal interaction with any of the teachers. Totally. And so that doesn't mean you can't sell it online, but have you ever thought about doing an in-person course or workshop? I have. Just yeah. recently, yeah. I, put a, I put a question out on Instagram, just like, hey, any like local teachers or homeschooling parents interested in some sort of creative collaborative where we come together with curriculum ideas and share? And I got an overwhelmingly positive response. But I have a question about that. Do you, Which could, I mean... Do you really want other people's ideas or no, do you want to right. give them your ideas? I'm like, I know you, Morgan. You don't want their ideas. You want to give them your ideas. Stop it. But seriously, right? Yes. Okay. But the part of me who knows that I, like, should be humble. The, why is that humble? <laughs> it, it's trained. Because... It's a trained language. Yeah, it's I'm a trained language. Where it's sure, like, yeah. here's my favorite, right? This is like a C.S. Lewis definition of humility and he might have gotten it for somewhere else where humility isn't thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less whoa yeah okay so because I really became obsessed with this idea of humility and I know it's important but nobody would describe me as humble okay so which is true but but you are genuine and here's the thing is I don't think less of myself but when I truly am doing something that I'm excited about I'm not thinking about myself so just because you have curriculum that you want to give to other teachers and you're not interested in a collaborative of curriculum doesn't mean you're not humble. It means you are thinking of the people if this is your attitude about it, which yeah. I know it is, I'm thinking of how many people I could serve by sharing these ideas that make me so excited and have made my life so fulfilling. Yeah, a hundred percent. And what is like, what is that hesitation to feel like that has, there's some sort of like, I have this and you're going to want it. Like there's reservation in that. Because it's not fair. Because you know? you've got, because one, it's just all programming. It's right. being a woman. It's our society. It's our culture. We don't even, even need 
to blame anyone. It just is what it is. But two, reframe it. Reframe it. Okay, because let's even think about Mother Teresa. She believed that the love of God was this thing that she needed to give. And she was still giving something. Yeah. Like you're the vessel, you're the, you're the conduit. Like, and uh, this goes back to some people like to share it. Some people just like, like Gabrielle Blair, who does Alt Summit. She likes to build a community where people come and bring ideas and share. And what she is creating is the community. Do you see what I'm saying? Alt really is the community. It's the platform. It's the stage. She builds the stage. Some people like to build the stage and some people like to stand on the stage. This is so good. I'm glad we're recording it. (laughs) Some, right? Whereas like we feel wrong and bad if we like to stand on the stage. Yes. There's nothing wrong and bad with liking to stand on the stage because we all love to watch somebody shining on stage. Yeah. We're all inspired and excited and we've all watched somebody on stage and been like, thank you for doing what you do on the stage. I started crying in my facial. I went crazy. I started crying. Lisa was giving me a facial and I was like, I'm so privileged that I'm getting this facial. But my body was saying like, this is what you needed. And I was feeling so guilty for being like, I don't need a facial. People can't afford facials. And I said to her, I just was like, Lisa, I needed this so much. And she was like, Allison, people hold so much tension in their face. And she was rubbing my face for like 10 minutes and my whole body was relaxing and releasing. Yeah. And I was like crying and I had thought to myself, you should call and get a facial. And I was like, okay, princess. Yeah. And then as she was releasing the tension from my face, I thought, why wouldn't I, A, let her give me this gift and B, just accept the damn gift and then go out there feeling great and share with more people. Yeah. Okay. So some of us like to build the stage cool that's awesome some of us like to stand on the stage the people who build the stage what's the point of the stage if somebody doesn't want to stand on it Mm. so people are excited if you want to stand on their stage people pay me a lot of money to come and stand (laughs) on their stage and then they thank me yeah you know because when I show up because I also like building stages yeah and when I show up I go I respect your stage I respect the hard work you put into this I respect how hard it was to get people here I respect how nervous you are that I'm going to stand up on your stage and be boring I honor all of that and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to freaking knock it out of the park yeah right yeah so back to you holding a conference a workshop something you want to stand on a stage that's great there are so many people who want to watch you on stage (laughs) right this is all metaphor and just be like thank you so much for sharing this because then they get to go back and do what they do it's just like lisa giving me the facial yeah where i'm like oh so lisa should feel privileged and stupid because she gives facials yeah see yeah Oh, so Lisa should feel bad and like what she does is vain because she helps people with their skin. Oh, but she helps people with their skin who then turn around and are kinder to everyone they meet because they feel a little more confident. Not that you have to have good skin to feel confident, but like it gives them an added measure of I'm ready. Like I took care of myself. I'm ready to like face the day. This is why like I think there's nobility in everything. Like Nichelle and I were just at the 7-Eleven next door and the people who own our 7-Eleven 
coven. They're the biggest badasses. Like they are ballers. They are so <laughs> smart. I love them. They're this like power couple. They own yeah. another 7-Eleven. And Nichelle and I were just like, their humility, they're back there in their 7-Eleven uniforms. And we're like, you know, the second they leave 7-Eleven, they're like probably in the nicest clothes, rolling in the nicest cars. I love it. Like, I'm like, they're probably rolling into their church, like dropping money. Like we are the, like, cause they are so classy. Like, yeah. but you go in there and it'd be easy to be like, they work at 7-Eleven. Yeah. I know they're the owners. And even if you're not the owner, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's nobility in anything you do. So anyway, now that yeah. we've given you a pep talk of you can do whatever <laughs> you want to do. Okay. Well, no, I mean, maybe that's what my, that's like what my hangup is. Like maybe that's yeah. like the wall that I keep hitting. Yeah. And I mean, your listeners can't see us both like eyes filling up with tears but I you know it's like this idea of me wanting to stand on a stage yeah all I can see is this like no like be humble like be humble don't have an ego like who am I to think that like people would want this and and you totally just shifted that okay I'm so totally just like spun it around and and changed the relationship you know why because I had to spend years doing it for myself because I always wanted to be a star on the stage of whatever that means (laughs) and then I felt so stupid for wanting that and then I couldn't help myself from doing it yeah like I can't I can't help myself can't not do people are like you're authentic you're you and I'm like it's a blessing and a curse I can't not be like this I've tried to not be like this I just I'm expressive I'm big I my face like I can't not be this way right and so then I had to be like okay do I want to be this way right like all the things all of the things where I came back and I'm just like unapologetically being yourself is I think some of the greatest service you can give because the people who hurt others they're not being themselves because I believe that we're all these like beautiful beings of love and that we're connected. And when we separate from that, that's when we take actions that hurt others. That's when we take actions that hurt ourselves. So who you are is beautiful and leaning into it makes you a better person. And even just as you're talking, like I'm picturing the Allison that I've known for several years. Yeah. Thinking never once would I have ever felt like, man, Allison does not, like, she just does not deserve to be on the stage. Oh, thank or you. Yeah. this is not her place. Yeah. Never. And I what? see that in you and I love it. And I have taken a lot from that example. Well, thank you. Yeah. But here's the next question. What if someone is watching me going, she doesn't deserve to be on that stage? Does it matter? Does it mean I shouldn't have a stage? No. No. Does it mean they're wrong and they're a bad person? No. No. It's their experience, right? Yeah, for sure. And so this has been, this was freaking life-changing. When I spoke to New Skin, it was the the biggest speaking event I had done. It was 5,000 people. And it was the first time I was walking out of their office and I thought, what if they hate? I had just told them how good I was going to do. I don't know why. I This is just how I am. And I mean it. I go in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do so good. You guys are going to love it. Like, I'm so good at this because I am so good at it. And then I'm like, you can't just walk around telling everyone you're so good at this. Are you even good at it? Did you make it up? Like, maybe I'm not that good at it. Imposter syndrome. Right? Yeah. Then, or, or maybe I'm delusional. Who knows? And then, and then I walked, I was walking down their stairs and I thought, well, if they don't like me, they'll just never hire me again. 
and that's okay. And it was revolutionary because in every other speaking event I've ever done, Uh it's been, I will make them love me. I will force them to love me. I can control their feelings and make sure that everyone is happy with me. And if they're not happy with me, I'm not a good speaker and I'm not a good person. That was the underlying feeling. And I definitely was a little nervous. Like I was definitely nervous. Like I did and had nerves and different things. I'm not like a robot. Right. But I had so much more peace when I spoke earlier this year somewhere really big. I had such bad anxiety. I almost had Eric take me to the hospital. Like I really um, like really almost was taken to the hospital because I couldn't breathe. Mm. And so just like juxtaposing those two experiences, you know what I mean? So back to this idea of guess what? You get a stage if you want a stage and you get to stand on your stage. And if somebody's looking at you thinking you don't deserve the stage or you shouldn't be on the stage, that's okay. And we don't need to say they're a bad person or they've got a problem or even anything like that. Those are all what Eric and I like to call padded thoughts. Mm. You're just, you're just saying them to make yourself feel better. <laughs> totally. Right. Where it's yeah. like, sure. It's a little bit better than like letting it wreck you that somebody isn't happy with you. Yeah. But also like people are entitled to their own experience of you. Yeah. And okay. And it's okay. And it's okay. Yeah. For some people, they're like, yeah, duh. But for people like me and you, we're like, (laughs) really? Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure that's not okay if everybody's not happy. And I'm like, pretty sure if they're not happy, like, I can figure out what it is they're not happy about. And I can fix that and change myself so that that... So yes. that everybody in this room of 5,000 yeah. people loves totally. me. Totally. I spend that time, like I've done that over the course of my well, career. Well, you've done it with preschool know? parents. Oh, yeah. Sending out emails. I said this, but what I really <laughs> meant is this. Yeah. And please, parents. And I'm like, Morgan, stop sending the email. And I'm just, I know I'm calling you out, but I'm like, I haven't been getting those emails uh, this year. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, That's I have I'm my like, maid. You're in a different I am. place where I'm like, yeah, if they want to read the email wrong, yeah. Th- it's on them. Oh man, it feels they're good. fine. Do you feel free? <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's something I'm still working on, and we'll continue. And we're to always working on it. Human. Well, and also, like, who cares? Like, right? right? Like, well, so I mean, like, early on in your business, like, you, I mean, you can't, you can't focus so much on what your customer wants. Yeah, because that's, I mean, you're going to provide a service. You have to be able to anticipate what people want. Yeah, but that can become dangerous in oh. some ways when you let I you know like and maybe it was it was a couple of years ago and things started to shift for me mm-hmm. and I realized like I have confidence in what I'm doing yeah like I believe like in my philosophy in my structure in I mean right down to like how many hours a day and how many days a week my classes are like yeah those decisions are all made in confidence yeah like why am I letting what one person thinks I should be doing yeah. Define the value in what I'm doing. Absolutely. I have people who I tell them how much I charge for one-on-one consulting, mm-hmm. which is five figures. Yeah. And go like, no, no. Like that's like, you're not worth. I, I, I tell people what I charge for speaking, which again is five figures sometimes yeah. often. And people go, no, like they're offended. They're offended by it. Really? And I, I had to get to a place place where I was like, just because somebody doesn't see the value in what I'm offering doesn't mean it's not valuable. And this was crazy. So 
I try to make my speaking price reasonable for the situation where it's like, I love speaking and I want to speak as much as I can, but it does take a lot of time and energy. And that is my most valuable resource in my business is my energy, the Allison show. So it really has to be, it has to compensate. I have got three full-time employees. I've got my family. I've got my, my health and wellness, you know? So I was starting to wonder because I had had quite a few people in a row kind of come back and be like, oh, we can't pay that. We can't pay that. And I thought, maybe I'm not worth it. Like, mm-hmm. I must, dang it, I thought I had worked up to this price. And I've talked to other people who have told me I'm worth it and they charge this. But do you know what I mean? I was, yeah. I felt really confident in it. And then I was like, dang it, maybe I need to charge less. Maybe I got kind of full of myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, in that, in, in like literally two weeks after I said that out loud to my team, I had two people come in and pay me my full speaker price. And I just was like, okay, no, it just, right? Like, but yeah. it was easy for a minute to be like, oh, people don't value this at what I was valuing it. And I do think sometimes like, yeah, like if I'm speaking for free this weekend, you know what I mean? Like at a, for a mother-daughter event, right? Like, yeah. I, of course, but the reason I can speak for free and have paid employees with me is because I charge what I'm worth at the other events. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's really, really hard when you are a pleaser and a perfectionist (laughs) and you work really hard on your confidence and you're going to go out there and you're going to say, I'm worth this much. And then people come back and say, no, you're not. And I've just had to be like, it's so hard not to tie that. Like, yeah, that amount that monetary yeah that monetary amount you (laughs) but for some people it's not worth it for them to pay me my fee at their event they're not making enough money on their event they're like it has nothing to do and again it has nothing to do with my value it's just like we could argue whether a gucci bag is worth it or not it's not worth it to someone who's living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Right? Yeah. Like it it's it's not worth it's not worth it. It doesn't mean that it's truly not worth it. It's yeah. worth it to some people. Yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Yeah. yeah. So here's what I think would be fun for you is let's get you some next steps. Here's what I think. Super, super smart. What is it that I'm already doing that I could grow, right? Yeah. So smart. Here's what we know. We know you love curriculum. We know you love creativity. And we know you love connecting in small groups. What are the types of services or products that fit in that bill? So what I mean by that is if you were going to have people come to a training, what is something in your industry that people buy? You know, so like with preschool teachers, because like I genuinely don't know exactly like with preschool teachers would they subscribe to a monthly curriculum service I think yeah so here are some good questions if we don't know the answer if you're not sure you ask you do survey so the great thing about you is you've been building an online community of preschool teachers so you say what is it that you need to your instagram following or a facebook group or whoever like these same people who gave you the response you go through you get each of their emails and with how many people would you say 10 people 
15 people. With their responses from Instagram? Yeah. Oh, it was like 145. Holy crap. <laughs> okay, that's amazing. Do you have do you have any of their information? I do, yeah. Their email? Yeah. Okay, so you just do like a Google form that they fill in. You know how to do that because you yeah. make me fill them in. I was like, I was like, you wait, you know how to do I don't know how to do stuff like that. McKenna has to do it, okay? So you do this Google form. You do a survey. And you do a survey and you say, okay, I'm gonna tell you what to put on your survey. Are you ready? Right. What are your biggest pain points right now? I mean that. What is your biggest pain point right now? For me as a teacher? No, you're asking them. Yeah. You're asking these people what is, so first what you would do is you would ask them about themselves. Like, um, are you, do you homeschool? Mm -hmm. Are you a preschool teacher? So you want to like get an idea of who it is you're talking to. Yeah. Okay. So you'd say like, I'm, so they can click a little box, right? Like I'm, uh, this, this, this other. Okay. And then you would ask them, what are your biggest pain points with just, you could just ask what their biggest pain points are yeah like what is I would ask what their biggest pain points are and then I would ask what their biggest pain points are when it comes to curriculum because you want you want to keep it broad so that you can get ideas and you're not narrowing yourself but then you also want to throw in stuff about information that you're interested in okay so I would do broad what's a pain point that you have right now and I would say pain point parentheses business life school whatever because the reason why you want to keep it that broad is you might realize that all the preschool teachers are having a hard time finding a life uh, work balance. Mm-hmm. And if you don't ask that question, right? That exact same thing right? Now, yeah. If you don't ask that question, you don't maybe realize, oh, I spent the last five years figuring out how to do a work life balance as a preschool teacher. I could do a work life, I could do a like get your life in order conference. Totally. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. For preschool teachers. And so you're not going to know if that's the conference. Because again, let's take it back to the stage analogy. Here's what we know. We know you have experience, expertise, ideas, and we know you want to stand on a stage, little or small, right? Little or big. And you want to share. But you're open to what it is you share, I feel like. I am. To a degree. There's certain things you're not interested in talking about. Yeah. But like, I think if you were like, I want to talk about curriculum, but oh, like people can't even focus on curriculum because they're so stressed out. And if I don't know they're stressed out, then I put all this effort into giving them a product that's going to complicate their life rather than... And this is where most people get get it a little bit off. Oh, Okay is they focus on, here's what I want to give you. Take it. This is going to make your life better. And you're over here like, my hands are full. Leave me alone. I don't want that. And so you're missing all these people who, if you even just changed the name of what it was you were offering, would be like, oh, that's what I want. It could be the exact same product. So when I did Allison's cookie party, I didn't call it how to make the perfect sugar cookies. It was Allison's cookie party, how to make the perfect sugar cookies with royal icing. You know yeah. why I did that? Because what people wanted was to hang out with me. Yeah. Some of them wanted to learn how to make cookies and a vast majority of them just wanted to hang out with me. And I was like, I'm tired and I can't hang out with everyone. Right. And I was like, but I do want to teach you how to make sugar cookies. And I would love to hang out in your kitchen. And it's so fun. I was at this Halloween party the other night and I was freaking out over their spread. And Courtney Jean, it was her party. She interrupted and she's like, our caterer made these cookies with your tutorial. See, 
seriously? Yeah. And it yeah. was this cute boy in his 20s. His name was Justin. Oh, man, that's amazing. And I was like, <laughs> Justin. And so I went up to him and I knew that we had been hanging out. Yeah. You're like, you have come to the Allison Cookie Party. Yeah. Like, we have partied. And he said, yeah. I was like, Justin, we've been hanging out. And he said, yep, we've been hanging out. Oh, we I were up. T- he said, we were up till three in the morning last night on the cookies. <laughs> See? Yeah. And so I, I was that. able to give what I wanted to give. <laughs> but by calling it Allison's Cookie Party, it opened it up. So many people are like, I honestly just bought it because I like you, Allison. Yeah. And then I really ended up liking these cookies. Yeah. And then there are some people who are like, I don't care enough about you, Allison, to just buy a cookie course. And that's great. They don't need to buy it. But but the reason I knew to title it that is because of some surveys I had done. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's why I think starting with the survey is going to be so exciting because you want to know why else you're going to love doing the survey? Because you're going to get excited reading people's responses because you're going to be like, I know how to help them. 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 (laughs) And then you're going to be so excited about helping people that you're not going to get caught up in all your own drama about how you can't stand on the stage (laughs) or on how you're missing out on other opportunities. You're going to be so carried by that excitement to really serve people. Well, I did go through... I felt that excitement. I went through like my Instagram DMs the other night, just like back several months and just wrote down the questions. So like the good. Most we do that all the time. That I get asked and it was like, that's funny being busy. Managing is a huge question and then mm. classroom management is a huge question. Okay. So part of like, I've, I've been trying to think, how do I make these things? Okay. You know, like how do okay. I, I it, so it, this is great. Teaching. Let's use, let's use classroom management. Okay. So on this survey that you're going to ask, Because you've already kind of done part of the survey, but I think do the survey still because again, and then put it on your Instagram and capture more emails because now what you're doing is you're building a list of people to sell to. Okay. And they're part of creating the product with you. So they're already invested. So what you really need to be focusing on is capturing emails. Okay. So what I would do is I would even incentivize the survey. So you get more people who maybe wouldn't have necessarily taken the survey too. What's something you have to give away? Do you have any I do have lots of downloads. Okay, perfect. So you are going to incentivize with something that attracts the market you're interested in selling to. Because I'm not interested in your downloads. Right. You don't want me, Allison, who follows you on Instagram to take your survey. Right. I'm not who you want. Who you want is the person who's interested in your downloads. So that's really good. I love that more than like a $50 Target gift card because you have something. It's relevant. Yeah, it's relevant to the person you want taking the survey, right? So you have them take the survey and put something on there about classroom management as well. Mm -hmm. Something about curriculum, something about classroom. What are your pain points with classroom management what do you wish you had to help you manage your classroom better like do you see what i'm saying like for you what are the problems you have what are the problems you have and then i would say what what do you wish you had and another really really good question that you should ask is if you had a magic wand and could change one thing about managing your classroom 
what would you change? Because you say that versus like, what's a problem you're yeah. having that you need to solve the thing that is automatically like, feels heavy? Some people, Nichelle and I go back and forth on this all the time. It's hysterical. Some people cannot give you, when I say like, what do you want your life to be? She just looks at me with dead eyes. Nichelle does? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, when I say, what do you want solved? She goes, dead eyes. And when I say, what do you wish you could change even though you can't change it? She goes, oh, this, 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 and this. Do you see what I'm saying? Right? And I'll be like, that's the same question three times. (laughs) But that's what you're essentially asking a lot of the same questions, right? Yeah. Where people connect and identify. And and, and it's not even like she won't say anything, but like, I can't even get to the answer that really matters to her because I'm like, what would you, um, if I gave you a magic wand and you could change this and she goes, well, you can't. So and I'm like, okay, what's the thing that you think I can't change? And she says this, I go, okay, then that's what we need to talk about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's what you're essentially doing is you're asking the question in different ways. And then here's the genius of all of this. You create the workshop, you create the live stream, you create the donut night where they come and learn whatever it is. And when you create the marketing copy, you use these answers. You use their exact language. When we now were selling how to make Instagram work for you. And we did a survey before we even started the course. What are your pain points with Instagram? Blah, 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 blah. All the questions. Okay. And then we're writing the marketing copy. Do you want to know what the most opened document is while writing the marketing copy or survey? Really? Yes. So we write the marketing copy and we go, do you want to know how to grow on Instagram without feeling like a spammy robot and without feeling like you're living your whole life online? Yeah. Do you want to know why we say those things? Because people in so many different words said, I don't want to feel like I have to like live online and I don't want to feel sleazy and I don't want to feel spammy. Mm -hmm. So why are we saying those things? Because they are the biggest roadblocks most people have to growing on Instagram. How do we know that those are the roadblocks our audience has? Not because we decided, but because they told us. That is so much more effective than here's how to grow on Instagram, blah, 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 in the way that Allison and Ashley think that you should. Yeah. This is not... it It brings people in and they're a part of it. Yes. It's more of like a let's help. They feel heard. They feel, yes, they feel served. They feel heard. It's good marketing. Good marketing is getting the good thing to the people who need it. Well, and it's like, it's sincere. Yes. And it's real. So it's not, it doesn't, I mean, it automatically gives it that like sincere... Do you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah. Because when I said to you, do you want to grow on Instagram without feeling like a spammy robot and living your whole life online? Your eyes lit up and you were like, yeah, I do actually. (laughs) And I was like, you're like, Allison, how did you know? Because if I said, do you want to grow on Instagram? You're like, well. All of those things pop in my head. uh Like, well. Yeah. Right. And and everybody's in a different phase and you're not trying to talk to everybody. right? Right. But like it is the most valuable resource you have that survey. I do this all the time in my direct messages as I go in and I go in and I say like, if you could have me come over to your house and do something for you, what would you have me do? I saw that once. And you want to know what we did? I got probably like two, 300 responses. That's a lot of responses. Yeah. No, there were probably more because Julie did them. I have to ask Julie how many there were. Anyway, we screenshot all of them and I had her write down all of them. And now guess what I said to her? I said, oh, something with that document. And she goes, 
oh, I use it all the time for email ideas and smart all the time. Yeah. You got to listen to people and talk to people. And that's when you're like, I believe that's how you stay humble is you don't just always focus on here's what I have. I want you to take it. You're focusing on here's what I have and here's how I like to give it. What is it that you need? Right? Mm -hmm. Like you know that for yourself. So then you're not just walking around like this bleeding heart. Yeah. Which I think is also felt by your, yeah. I don't want to say your customers or your followers or yeah. people that you're trying to reach. Your community. Yeah. And they, I... They respond much more. And you want to know what's so crazy? Like, I feel so connected to my community online right now. I do. Like, I'm in, like, my flowy place and I feel so connected to them. And, like, I woke up the other morning and I was like, man, I've gotten, like, several messages from new moms who are just really struggling. And I, like, had this come into my heart and I was like, you need to post something today for those three moms. And it wasn't that's going to grow me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that's going to go viral. It was, and it wasn't, what can I do that everybody likes? It was, man, those three moms really need this message and you better get this out there today. And it felt that urgent to me. Like it was that pressing and the day kept going and I was doing other stuff. And I was like, you got to get this up. They, somebody needs this right now. And I did it and go and read the comments. There's hundreds of women going, yes, me too. I needed this. And it did go viral and people shared it like crazy. The post you did on postpartum. Yeah, on postpartum anxiety and depression. Yeah. And I'm not even a new mom and I related to that. Yes. And that that was that was the craziest thing. So many moms who are like me and you and were like, nobody was talking about this when I had it. And you just talking about it right now helps me manage that. And again, if I had just been focusing on, I got a post on Instagram, I'm not growing on Instagram. I need to be getting stuff up on Instagram, which honestly I've kind of been like before. Yeah. Cause I just been feeling all this pressure that doesn't happen. Now, then I did a really fun giveaway with my sister, Tubby Todd, and got some growth in place. And now I'm so excited for all those new moms who are following me from Tubby Todd. Look at these good resources I have for them. Yeah. So now I'm growing and getting people, but I'm not thinking I'm growing because I want to grow. I'm like, come to me, new moms. I have this to share with you if you need it. And it just changes everything. It changes everything. Well, that, I mean, man, I'm not, I'm not even a new mom. And there were things in there that post that I related to. Thank you. I can't remember what you said. I said, you have to ask for help more than once. You said the thing that got me was that I'm not good at conveying how bad things are in the moment. That like was like a punch to my gut. I'm a minimizer. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, I internalize things and then I like need a minute to process things on my own Mm. before I can share or communicate them. Yeah. And so then I will feel a certain way. And then you get into the doctor's office or the therapist's office yes. or wherever you are. And my natural inclination to minimize things is already there Yeah. on top of like, you know, the professional setting. And then yeah. I find that like, why don't they believe that this depression is as serious as it felt the other night at 2 a.m.? Yeah. You know, yes. I connected. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you know what's so crazy? Even you saying that, I was pleasantly surprised at how many people connected to that part. Yeah. Because a lot of people in the comments were like, like you said,
said, they quoted that back to me. Mm-hmm. And see now, if we want to get back to marketing strategy, if I want to help people, if I want to write a newsletter that serves people, I look at what resonated with people and I go, wow, this idea of not being able to convey how you feel, that exact idea of not being able to like in the moment, being able to convey how you feel. Mm-hmm. Then I could create a podcast episode or a newsletter yeah. that is like how to more accurately convey how you feel. And oh, you yeah, want to know, yeah. well, you want to know my friend Rachel from three and 30 podcast actually did create it already. Oh, okay. She did create it. And so I could even then say, Rachel, let's collaborate. Rachel said, I always tell women to write a super honest raw journal entry on their worst day and bring it with them to the doctor. So then I could compile a list of three ways to more accurately convey blah, blah, blah. Do you see what I'm saying? And now look right there. Good content. Yeah. It's going to help people. It's going to serve people. People want that content. I'm having a good time creating it, but I'm not just creating stuff for the sake of growth and spam and what I want. I really want to serve people. And what I'm pulling from that is yeah. that, like marketing doesn't have to be sleazy. Like no! you hear you yes. hear marketing and you think like, oh, they're trying to market me for something. No. But when you when you take this approach to it, that's where the like the sincerity of it comes in. Yeah. Yes, it's marketing, but it's real. Because and there's I'm a real helping need you, and really can yeah. I'm helping you see how what I have can solve your problem. That's it. Because nobody cares about what you have to say or sell. They just want their problem solved. But when their hands are full and their ears are full and they're overstimulated and oversaturated, they can't hear how what you have is the solution. So you need to be smart about your marketing to help them. And so it comes back to, I know that my how to make Instagram work for you course is going to help a lot of people. It's you were there, right? Yeah, like, it's great. It's going to yeah. help them get over feeling like the slaved Instagram. It's going to help them feeling like a failure because it's not working for them. It's going to help them in so many ways. I believe that. I made good content. It's my responsibility to market it effectively. And when I think of it that way, I stop feeling like, oh my gosh, everyone's so sick of me talking about it. Everyone hates me. Nobody wants what I have to say or sell. I start thinking of if it's not resonating, which it is, it's selling well, you know, but like things in the past haven't. And then I go, how can I talk about it in a way that serves them and doesn't just serve me? And what I want to say. And then I go back to the surveys. Yep. I go back to the surveys. Smart. Here's what I want for you. I want you to do the survey. I want you to, in that survey, be sure you ask them, would you want to go to a workshop? Would you want to do an online course? Do you see what I'm saying? Like learn by hearing, seeing... You know how to, yeah, you know how to teach, you know how to do things and get that in there. But I, I would really encourage you to not get too caught up on that actually, because I think you want to teach something in person. I do. I think you want to teach something in person to start, even if you do then want to put it online. Yeah. Even if you want to film you teaching in person and then put it online. In fact, I've done a couple of teacher video, like tutorial videos Mm. with a video producer. And it like hands down was one of the hardest things I've done. Okay. Because it was just me and the camera. Yeah. And I was like, I know I can do this and I can get there. But I I felt like I was missing steps that needed to lead to that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I needed an in-person. No, I think, you know. Yeah. But also why not just film you in person? 
Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it would need to be worked out because I was thinking in terms of in the classroom and that gets sticky with kids, kids. in the classroom, but, but we're talking to workshops for teachers. But workshops for teachers. So why not invite 15 teachers, okay? Film it. Yeah. Record it. Even if you don't use it. Yeah. Film it and record it and then go from there. Yeah. One thing I wish I had done sooner was filmed and recorded more of my stuff. Okay. Because it would really benefit a lot of people and it would benefit me. And you feel narcissistic and stupid doing it. (laughs) And I wish I had audio recorded every single one of my keynotes. Because that's a helpful tool for you too. Because sometimes like I have this idea that something went a certain way. Yeah. (laughs) And then I see it and I'm like, oh. Well, I have a hard time. It's a good learning tool. It's a good learning tool. But even if that, I don't want that to keep you from recording it. Right. Yeah. No, I won't. Where you're like, I don't want to watch watch myself, <laughs> right? Because I actually have a really hard time watching myself give my keynotes. Do you? I don't have a hard time listening to my podcast. I'm just hard on myself. Yeah. And I'll see certain parts and I'll be like, okay, it was okay. But I don't know, like I'm still getting there. And it's funny because I don't have a hard time with anything else. Mm. And it's just, it's certain keynotes. It's not all of them too. Interesting. Yeah. And I, cause I don't have a hard time watching myself on videos. Because I'm talking to the video, but I have a hard time watching myself when I didn't think I was being filmed, even though I'm on a stage in front of thousands of people. It's yeah. not like I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's just very vulnerable. It's just yeah. very vulnerable for me. So, and it's a, it's a specific type of vulnerability. It's a specific too. type of vulnerability. Yeah. And I'm not even going to make it mean anything. It doesn't matter. I don't care. But what I'm saying is don't let that keep you from recording it because you could do something with the audio. Yeah. You could cut it up. It could yeah. be good content for Instagram. Yeah. So how we've been writing our brand school Instagram post is we take a lot of ideas from what I talk about in these business therapy episodes. And so this content then becomes, so think of how many things I've said today that could be turned into an Instagram post. Yeah. So it's like, it's taking that idea of things you're already doing Mm -hmm. and finding places where you Exactly. So that's what I would say to you is you are an expert. You have the experience. Don't not film it because you're like, I'm not there yet. Okay. If people want to come and check you out, especially if they're educators, <laughs> you're online at... I actually just like have a, a brand new website that launched oh, cool. what is this it? week. It's Miss Morgan's Preschool. Miss Morgan's Preschool. Okay. Dot yeah. com. And then just Miss underscore Morgan. Miss underscore Morgan on Instagram. On Instagram. Okay. I love it. Okay. Right? How many of you related to what Morgan said and was talking about? And how many of you got ideas? I know I did. And what I really love talking about is using the voice of your people in your marketing to best serve them. So I hope you really listened to that and asked yourself, like, how can you make that work for you? Because that truly has served me more than anything else I've done. And so now we're going to get into our business therapy questions again. With every business therapy episode you listen to, the reason why it can be powerful and helpful is because one person was willing to open up and share with thousands. So if you liked it, if it benefited you, be sure to go tell them thank you. And you can find Morgan at M-I-S-S underscore M-O-R-G-A-N. Now the question so that you can take this episode and apply it to the work you're doing. And question number one is, are you feeling called to do a million things and make huge changes? Or are you just feeling restless? 
Ooh, wasn't that so interesting when I was talking to Morgan and she's like, oh, I just have like a million different things and blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, I think you're just bored. And she was like, uh, yeah, that's actually true. And, you know, boring, I always say to my kids, and it's an annoying thing to say, boring people, only boring people get bored. And that's not entirely true. But you might not even identify with that feeling of bored. You might really be feeling anxious, overwhelmed, restless. And so it doesn't seem like really what the solution would be is to challenge yourself. See how that can be counterintuitive? Because if you're feeling, you know, otherwise not challenged, the solution is to challenge yourself. But when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling stressed or anxious, or those other words you might be using to describe what more accurately might be boredom, that's why it's hard to find a solution. And that's why you're feeling frantic. Now, some of you are going to be in that position and some of you aren't. And if you're like, no, I'm not bored, I'm challenged, be grateful for that. I think one of the benefits of business therapy is it can help you recognize problems you're not having right now so that you can be grateful for the problems you do have. So I love that business therapy question number one. Is it really that you're feeling called to do a million things and make huge changes or are you just feeling restless? And if you are feeling restless, what can you do to kind of challenge yourself? Question number two, are you making decisions based on what you want or what you feel like you should want? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question and a good question for me. And what I end up doing unintentionally, especially now that I have employees, is I can start making decisions based on what I think is going to be best for them. And that seems like a noble, kind, generous thing to do, but this business is not going to work if I am not taking it in the direction I want to go. And if I start taking it in a direction based on what I think my employees want, it does not work out. And that has happened a couple of times. And I step back and I go, what what went wrong here? And that's what it is. So ask yourself, are you making decisions based on what you really want or maybe what you feel like you should want, what you think would be better for other people, what you know your parents told you you should want? Where are those definitions coming from? And business therapy question number three always the most important. Have you taken the time to ask your customers and clients what their pain points are? Notice how different each of these episodes would be if people came to me and I just started telling them what to do. And sometimes I can start getting excited with someone and I can see a lot of potential for them. And I can start saying like, oh, here's some ideas. None of the ideas matter unless you ask, what are your pain points? This has also been really helpful for me as an employer. When I feel like employees or people I'm working with aren't doing things the way that I want them, or I feel like they, they might be mad about something, rather than calling them in and saying, why did you do this like this? Why did you do this like that? I bring people in and I go, how are you feeling right now? What's not working for you right now? And I am constantly shocked at all of the pieces of the puzzle that I didn't have, that I wasn't able to take into account and I would not have been able to take into account if I hadn't asked them. Do the same thing with your kids. Do the same thing with your husband. And don't be frustrated. Sometimes people have a really hard time voicing or verbalizing their pain points. So you kind of have to get creative with the questions you ask. And the way that I get creative with the questions I ask is I just get quiet and I just get still and I just try to focus on like love and being helpful. And I mean, 
I don't care how hoodoo voodoo it sounds, questions always come to my heart that feel like inspiration, questions I wouldn't have normally asked. I did this with Fiona today, trying to get her to preschool, to Miss Morgan's preschool. She just really didn't want to go. And I just kept asking different questions about, does going to preschool make you feel sad? Oh, does it make you feel mad? Oh, it makes you feel sad. What is it that makes you feel sad? And truly, if you can negotiate with a three-year-old, I mean, you can ask your customers and clients, you know, how does this pain point make you feel? You know, what part of the solution would be best for you? And then you're such an empathetic problem solver, and that's always going to lead to more effective marketing. Man, I hope these are benefiting you like they are benefiting me. I get ideas when I re-listen to these episodes and go over the questions. I hope you do too. And I mentioned this last time in the beginning of 2020, I am going to be opening up a few corporate one-on-one coaching spots. The parameters for those is they are corporate. You'd be making, you know, over six figures in your business and it will last for a few months. And I just have a couple of spots open. But if you've been listening to business therapy and you are ready to take it to the next level, I'd like to invite you to do that. Or if you know someone who you think would be a good fit, I'd appreciate it if you mention it to them because I really am excited. I had to really work hard to kind of shift my business to open up some of those spots because it's something I really want to do and I love doing it and I hope it can continue to serve you. So we love your reviews so much. Thank you so much. And this one is from Mal Wolfgram and it is so, so sweet. And she says, I found this podcast a week ago and I've listened to every episode. I can't stop. Thank you so much. Everything she talks about is so applicable and gets me excited and empowered to make similar changes in my business. Listening has given me the motivation and inspiration to take major steps towards developing my business in ways I've wanted to for months. It is clear how passionate and knowledgeable Allison is about what she does, and she is so genuine and kind, it makes it refreshing. Thank you so much. That is such a kind review. I truly am very passionate and very excited about all of this work, and I'm glad that you can hear it and that it transfers to you. So if you guys want to make sure you don't miss out on these episodes and you don't miss out on all the goodness we have to offer, make sure you subscribe to our Boss Babe In Crowd newsletter because we link to the podcast episodes every week. We give you action items and it really is a fun newsletter. So be sure to check that out. And I want to thank you guys again for listening, for sharing, for your reviews. Mal Wolfgram, make sure you shoot us an email to info at allisonsbrandschool.com. And if you're interested in that one-on-one coaching, the way you're going to find out about that is by emailing info at allisonsbrandschool.com. You guys are doing an incredible job. I'm so grateful you're here. And I'm honestly just the most grateful that you're doing what you feel called to do. So get out there. And if you feel called to do it, freaking do it. Love you, boss babes. My man, Mr. Eric Robertson, wants to invite you to join Pleasant Pictures Music Club. If you are a content creator, you can save 20% off with the code Business Therapy. So go to pleasantpictures.club and enjoy this jaunty tune.